Hey, man. Morning. Heard you got a lot of sleep. Yeah, you saw the group. You were pretty quiet today. <laughs> I'm busy. But did you have Tucker last night? I literally, I'm so out of touch, I didn't even know. No, no, I didn't get Tucker. He couldn't join, but we got a bunch of heavyweights at custody. Man, the guy got an interview with Putin. You got you to gotta say, that's damn impressive. Yeah, did you? I'm assuming you watched it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, we streamed it live and debated it. It was a, a two-hour interview. The first half was pretty much Putin, as expected, giving a history lesson. He does that a lot. And then, then the other half was uh, answering some, some tough questions. But I was actually impressed. Like, I think Tucker did a good job trying to keep it balanced. You haven't, have you watched the snippets? The team was posting a bunch of snippets if you want to watch them. Rather I would love the, to say uh, that I have, but uh, I can't um, really opt out of the world. When possible. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But there, there's a cool part yesterday as well. So as we did, you see the Biden meltdown at least? No, not the meltdown. The, the yeah. I mean, I saw that he called the uh, pre, yeah, president of Mexico. Sure. Yeah. So there's that. But he also. So what happened was we were streaming the the interview with um, with uh, Tucker and Putin, and um, uh, as it was ending in the last like less eight minutes. So we're streaming it live. In the last eight minutes, the team's like, shit, well, Biden's going to do a press conference. No one expected it. Um, and we're trying to guess if it's going to be important. Is it worth streaming? And he started it off. It seemed boring, nothing important. And then in the last three minutes of the interview, or last, no, not even three, like 30 seconds, Biden and the journalist begin arguing. And uh, the journalists start to really pressure him. So that's happening, almost meltdown, and the interview is ending. So we ended the interview. Literally at that time, and then started streaming the Biden one. So it's like two stories at a time. Uh, the, the leader of Russia being interviewed by Tucker Carlson and the leader of the U.S. Uh, getting grilled and, and fighting back against journalists. So it turned out to be pretty, uh, pretty epic space. And I went to sleep at like 12 p.m. my time. Not even that. No, no, more. I ended up sleeping like 2 p.m. my time. So, yeah. Oh, that's that. wild, man. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, stark comparison, I guess, between the two at the moment in mental faculty. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not my place to comment. Ah, good. Don't comment. So should we talk about crypto? Uh, no, no. Did you you got to vote Biden or Trump? <laughs> or you're not going to vote as always? I've, I've always voted. I just uh, have to puke right afterwards. Okay, okay. You should vote RFK, I think. You've had him on your show, haven't you? I, I mean, I, I, theoretically, that's who I would vote for. But uh, then you get the battle over whether it ends up being a lost and wasted vote and whatever. But uh, it is nice to vote for someone maybe you like a little bit as opposed to voting for the person you hate the least. Hmm, fair point. Have you looked at another question? Have you looked at ERC404? I was counting on Ren. Apparently, he's got a stomach bug and he's really sick, but I was counting on him to break that down for us. So hopefully, we have some guests because uh, my first real interaction with it was having it explained here yesterday. You know that I'm a boomer. I don't really uh, dig in until it's uh, big enough that uh, it gets on my radar and I care. True. Um, I'll get the... We've got a bunch of speakers coming in. I'll let you kick it off with the market uh, overview um, and uh, other topics that are boomer-friendly. And we've got a few speakers. We've got Jason um, and a few others. Naveen is joining as well to discuss ERC404 because there is getting a lot of traction. Anyone else in the audience that wants to come up um, when we discuss that in a bit, uh, do request and DM my account or crypto, crypto Hall is better and the team will bring you up. Uh, you have to DM them. 
But Esco, give us the, the markets are doing well before I went to bed. Let me see if they. Yeah, I've had a nice boom. Oh, there you go. About 47,000 Bitcoin right now. It topped uh, around 47,700 today, but uh, it's a major move up, obviously. Just, uh, you know, three days ago, we were sitting in the 42, 43 region, and people were wondering if we were going back down to 37,000 and what was happening and doom and gloom. And it took about five minutes for everybody to get really optimistic. I think we should have known when Solana went offline and somehow price still went up that uh, we were <laughs> in a bullish trend and that things were probably going to continue upwards, right? Good, good signal when you shrug off what would have objectively been terrible news a year ago and, and things continue to the upside. So, uh, no big surprises here. I think at this point, you know, everyone wondering if it can take out that high from the ETF approval day, you know, right around 49,000. And if we're really heading towards 50 here, um, bottom line though, is that things are looking exceptionally bullish right now, you know, Bitcoin up 10 ish percent in just a matter of 48 hours or so. Um, stocks, you know, t touching basically all time highs. I didn't actually see if SPX managed to take out 5,000 yesterday. Uh, but it was like 49, $4,999.97 the last I checked. I think it got there. So uh, hard to be particularly bearish at the moment. I think things and markets, whether irrational or not, looking very good. I see Mark throwing up a lot of hundreds over there, Mark. I'm assuming you're agreeing. No, I mean, it, it, it's super bullish. In fact, from from traditional markets... We've actually never had this length in markets, meaning long short managers are the highest gross they've ever had. Uh, most of it long biased. Uh, the the net long position in futures it's never been higher. So I mean, we're we're definitely at a a mania level, not quite equivalent to two thousand. I mean, two thousand was really really crazy, but this is coming very, very close on, on every metric. So, but I mean, you're not bullish enough on, on what's happening in, in Bitcoin, but we'll talk about that later. We can talk about it now. Uh, no, we can't. Tell me why. We, we certainly can. And look, what's happening in Bitcoin, people just, I, I guess they just either choose not to do math or they don't want to believe the math, but you've got, uh, a situation where we had a, a fundamental demand shock in that all the boomers, you know, all our brethren and sister and all, you're technically, I don't think a boomer, but I am. Um, and all my brethren and sister out there who have been basically restricted from buying, and many of them still are. I mean, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, UBS, uh, Vanguard, even LPL, Although LPL said it's just three months, not a permanent ban. So there's still a whole bunch that haven't banned. And yet, uh, the ETFs are accumulating three times the daily supply of Bitcoin. And in two plus months, it's going to be six times the daily supply. And that's a fundamental demand shift that just people don't appreciate. And when you add the supply uh, cut that's coming in April, uh, things are going to get crazy. And then on top of it, you asked about you know when we're going to hit 50. There's a, a big wall of shorts at 50 that are going to get liquidated here. And we're going to have, I'm wearing my green pants today. So uh, in honor of the, the massive green candle that's coming this weekend. 
take that. Anyone else have an opinion on what's happening here? You think we're hitting 50K immediately? I, I don't know if we're hitting 50K immediately, but it certainly seems we're heading, heading there. Um, I mean, we saw 123 million in liquidations over the past 24 hours. As Mark mentioned, as we get to the 48 and then 50K levels, uh, there's more liquidations uh, on, on stack. Uh, and then we've seen this week, uh, we've seen 653 million net inflows into the Bitcoin ETFs. Yesterday alone was 405 million of those inflows, which was the third biggest day since launch for net inflows for, for the ETFs. And you're seeing the outflows from GBTC start to get smaller. Um, so I think that balance is starting to be supportive of the Bitcoin price. Of course, we still we now have the, the Genesis overhang uh, of GBT selling. That's, that's going to be about 1.4 billion, but uh, it's unclear how that will be spaced out. But I think on balance, we're starting to see the inflows into Bitcoin ETFs be more supportive of the price uh, than uh, and, and actually push the price, start to push the price higher. Uh, so I think it's it's super positive. You also get other other things, uh, other uh, effects like uh, there's there's the the headline going around that now Bitcoin is part of the top ten assets in in the world by market cap. I think that grabs headlines and attention, which is uh, helpful for the space. Uh, also, uh, the four of the Bitcoin ETFs, uh, BlackRock's, uh, Fidelity's, uh, ours at Bitwise and Arcs are now four of the 25 fastest growing ETFs of all time um, by assets gathered uh, within a one month period. So it's amazing the traction that we're seeing. Uh, and then you add to that, uh, you know, the eventual, I think there's, it's, it's going to be as we get into the April, May uh, timeframe, you're going to see the, the halving take place. That'll take out uh, half of the supply uh, of the market. Uh, and then, and then we're getting into the latest from this, uh, the 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 Fed uh, was that they're now looking to balance uh, employment and inflation goals. So they said they they won't have the level of confidence they need on the inflation trend before the March meeting. So they're going to punt that discussion to March nineteenth, twentieth, which I think suggests that the first cuts are likely to start in May or June. Uh, but then you'll see some easing from that as sort of right after the Bitcoin halving. And so I think from a macro and uh, industry specific uh, factors, you'll, you'll start to see supportive, uh, supportive, uh, supportiveness on the, on the price as well. I think on, on top of the technical reflexivity from the shorts at 50, it also just seems like a really psychologically important number where lots of people start paying attention again, right? 50K sort of feels like one line in the sand where like these are 2021 bull run numbers and everyone who you know had written off crypto and bitcoin is dead it's very hard to say that when bitcoin is over 50k so i wonder if that like also leads to you know a big fomo uh run sign yeah just wanted to give them some intel on the genesis side so they obviously are applying in court but it should be net neutral because they're um obviously as barry silbert and co um who have a big interest in Bitcoin. So the way that they've applied for it, which is actually going to be unique in the bankruptcy because no one's done that, they've got GBTC. So they want to sell 1.4 billion of GBTC and buy Bitcoin at the same time. Um, so essentially, it's just trading from one left hand to the right. And hopefully, they'll be able to pay out creditors in Bitcoin because we've got precedent for that because we achieved it in the Celsius case. So um, depending on what happens in the court there, it's just more 
draining the GBTC swamp, saving itself fees because it's just fees that go up um, in the in the group. Um, so hopefully that will be net neutral. So I don't see it as a, any kind of market impact. Makes sense. Uh, Martin, did you have your hand up? Yes. The Just a bit of perspective about the bull run. No idea if we're going to 50 and have this monster candle, but the real effect of the ETF isn't the ETF. I don't care about BlackRock owning of Bitcoin. It's that every bank in the world, banks hate crypto. They don't know what to do. They need infrastructure, right? It's far too expensive for a bank to get into crypto. But they love ETFs. They can take somebody else's ETF and add another 5%. Banks love ETFs. And you are already seeing banks across the world preparing to include a Bitcoin ETF. And that will be, when, when that be, gets into the public's consciousness, then you will have, I think, the biggest cattle you've ever seen anywhere. Because that adoption is a jump up to, you know, it's a few levels above what we have now. And don't forget, I just made this post today. The whole crypto market is only 1.5 trillion. That's the market, 1.7 trillion. That's the market cap of just NVIDIA. <laughs> so we are so early. This market is still so small. I think we all agree with that. Go ahead, Mark. I just, I made a comment uh, a couple weeks ago that, I stand by and, you know, make some people crazy when I say it is I think more fiat will be converted into Bitcoin in 2024 than the entire existence of Bitcoin. Yeah, I think that that's a uh, valid prediction. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, I think that it's important. Well, a couple things. First of all, uh, I totally agree with what Mark just said. I think the narrative is far more relevant than people seem to understand. I mean, we are so early in the ETF uh, uh, journey. I mean, Eric and James have done a fantastic job in quantifying it. But the reality is you have the most powerful uh, organizations, you know, in terms of educational capability telling people about Bitcoin. And they're not telling people, hey, you know, there's going to be cash flows or any other stupid shit. They're basically saying, hey, listen. There's a need for sound money. Hey, listen, you know, to paraphrase Mark, uh, truth, you know, trust over truth uh, and, you know, truth over trust. Excuse me. Let's let's get it right. Sorry, I don't want to paraphrase you, you know, wrongly, Mark. But the fact is, is that people, Much appreciated. Are people are being educated. Not all of them are going to buy the ETF. Others are going to use it as a gateway drug. They're going to say, oh, OK, I got this. <clears throat> Let me go down the rabbit hole. And all of us have gone down that rabbit hole. So that's important. That narrative shift matters. And remember, half the investment banks that people have accounts at aren't even allowed to buy it yet. I mean, Morgan Stanley and Citigroup and these people still haven't allowed it. It will happen because they like money, as as, uh, as I think it was, I forgot who the doctor basically was just saying. They like money and they're going to want to get that. So it's, it's much more broad based than people realize. The other thing that's interesting is it's going to dampen volatility. And, you know, anyone who's, who's ever who watched, and I grew up in the equity markets a long time ago, but was on the trading desk building trading technology and, and trading uh, when the internet bubble happened. And as, as much as people like to talk about God candles, what we're seeing now is far more reminiscent of that. Two to three percent a day 
day after day after day is not what Bitcoin used to do. Bitcoin used to go, you know, you know, YOLO in and come back down or whatever. That volatility is dampening. And that's much more what you would expect. So, you know, people talk about $100,000 God candles. I mean, that's nonsense. But this looks a lot like the early days of the internet bubble with respect to the way these ETFs are trading. And I think that people should understand what that means. There's just kind of a level where people won't push it beyond for a day. That doesn't mean there isn't demand. And that demand is what needs to manifest here. And that's what we're seeing. And it's a much healthier rally. Juan? Yeah, I uh, agreed with everything Dave said. And also, I think it's also helpful to understand the, the liquidity conditions present. Um, and, to, and so I, to provide a bit of perspective, uh, looking even looking past beyond 50,000 onto, you know, the last all time high around 67, 69,000. If you compare to prior Bitcoin tops in 2017 and 2021, those coincided with major mainstream adoption breakthroughs. Uh, and in 2024, the market conditions in the lead up to the launch of the Bitcoin ETFs, which is another mainstream moment, have been quite different than, than in those past instances. So, for example, in 2017, when Bitcoin reached uh, the, its high at that time of uh, 19000 or so dollars, um, that happened at, on the same day that uh, CME Bitcoin futures were launched. Um, and then by February of 2018, Bitcoin fell to 6000 um, In 2021, Bitcoin reached a new uh, high at that time of 65000 uh, the day after Coinbase listed. Uh, three months later, Bitcoin had fallen uh, to to down to thirty thousand, um, and then went on to set the the November ten high, uh, the November ten high of twenty twenty one. Right after uh, a couple of, like twenty days after Bitto had launched, but in these three tops, the, those 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 prior three tops were portended by signs of market exuberance. So in the two weeks leading up to those tops, uh, Bitmex perp rates had averaged two hundred fifty three percent. 66% and 21% annualized uh, for each of those. Um, and the Bitcoin uh, daily uh, volume on Bitfinex had seen an average of 749 million, 395 million, and 387 million, respectively, for each of those three instances. Now, this year, uh, in the lead up to this, the launch of this Bitcoin ETFs, uh, perp rates were 14% uh, annualized and Bitcoin daily trading volume was only 100, uh, 105 million. Um, on a, on a daily average. So all that to say that conditions are much more tempered this time around uh, in the lead up to, to the ETFs launches. And since then, conditions have remained uh, relatively tame. Uh, so I think as we are talking about getting into a situation where the supply drops, where the macro environment, uh, the easing environment uh, is, is constructive, and we see additional uh, demand from wirehouses uh, do, completing their due diligence process three, six months into the launch of the ETFs. I think that is a really, really constructive uh, setup uh, that uh, I'm not sure most people are, are, are realizing really. Mark? No, I, I want to double tap on, on everything Juan just said. Is I, I don't think people are snapping to the issue that, you know, we're not in year four. Of, of the cycle, we're, we're still in year three. The halving hasn't occurred. The supply shock hasn't occurred. We, we all know it's going to occur, but it hasn't occurred yet. And the, the parabolic move doesn't happen in year three. It doesn't happen in crypto summer. It happens in crypto fall. Crypto fall doesn't even start till June. And from June to June, we're going to see the same type of 
you know, irrational exuberance that we see in, in every one of these four-year cycles. Everybody says, oh, the four-year cycle doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It's hard-coded in. And human behavior is hard-coded in our DNA. We're, we're not going to change that. The only thing that, that subtly changes, I mean, two things to me. So one is normally the having event would double the fair value. Just math, right? If the miner's costs are fixed and the block rewards get cut in half, either half the miners go out of business or the price adjusts. So the price adjusts. This time is subtly different in that now we have transactions that are higher. So, so let's just be conservative and say we get a one and a half increase in, in fair value. That's from 50 to 75 instead of 50 to 100. Well, then we get closer to fair value post-having, right around having. Then you get the, the FOMOing in. Right? We haven't seen the beginning of the FOMOing in that pushes it past fair value. And in each previous cycle, at the peak, we get to about 2.3 to 2.4x fair value. So that's because of leverage. And leverage and stupidity and gambling and all that stuff that enters in. Yeah, there's not as much leverage this time. Some of the bad actors have been weeded out. Um, people will get creative, but let's let's say it doesn't go to 2.3 times this time. Let's say it only goes to, to one and a half, you know, fair value. No, let's say two, and it's going to get to two. So that's that's 150. That's baked into the cake. That That's just the normal, logical progression of fiat converting to Bitcoin. And you guys were talking about the, the Putin interview. I haven't watched the whole thing. I, I watched from kind of 115 on where he starts talking about China and and the dollar. And I mean, one, I love watching somebody who has been painted as this crazy person speak incredibly intelligently, incredibly logically, incredibly dispassionately about facts. And he, it was like an advertisement for Bitcoin. He basically said that the U.S. policymakers have made a series of bad decisions about their currency. Now they have no way out but to devalue. And the thing that just gets lost every time we start talking about the price of Bitcoin is the price of Bitcoin never changes. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. What changes is the value of the currency other people denominated in. So in Argentina, it's already worth a lot more because the Argentinians fucked up their, you know, currency. Same thing in Venezuela or Turkey. And the U.S. dollar is losing its hegemonic reserve currency status. I mean, here's a crazy stat that Putin quoted. He said five years ago, I think it was five years ago, he said 3% of their oil transactions were denominated in yuan. So now it's 34. And five years ago, 34% were denominated in dollars. Now it's 13. That's a huge change. And so Bitcoin denominated in dollars is going to continue to rise. And so you got to own some. Simon? Yeah, Mark, let me, let me um, play with some numbers there that you gave. So, so your forecast was more fear will come into Bitcoin. I mean, you pre I, I presume you mean Bitcoin and Bitcoin ETFs, and then the ETFs will buy Bitcoin than the market right, cap of right, Bitcoin. Right. So a trillion of inflows, approximately. Is that what you're saying? 
Exactly. I mean, so what I mean by that is actual fiat converting into Bitcoin. So if you think about the, the market cap of Bitcoin is 900 billion, that doesn't mean 900 billion of fiat has converted into Bitcoin. It's a small fraction of that. And I will argue that it's, I don't know the exact number, but I'm guessing it's somewhere around a third. So like 300 billion-ish, something like that. I think 300 billion is coming in and that will push the value higher. Okay, so at the current price of 47,000, the Bitcoin to fiat currency dominance, there's about 165 trillion of all fiat currencies globally. So that's about 0.6% um, based upon the current price of Bitcoin. If there was another trillion of inflows and the price was reflective, let's say we hit another $2 trillion, $2 trillion market cap post-halving, that would be over 1% of the entire market cap of fiat currency, approximately approaching 16, 17% of gold. Um, and yeah, the prophecy would, and, and that's, a, that's a realistic thing that I think could happen given all of the different trends and all of the different things that are happening that would drive someone into a safe haven and the fact that we've got an ETF. So, the prophecy of Bitcoin eating fiat currency is an inevitability, and we're watching it roll out in real time with every cycle. Mario, do you want to talk about uh, oh, ERC four hundred four? I got no, no. I got Danish up. Danish, what's okay. up? Okay. Oh, wait. Well, <laughs> needs to dampen. We need I want to hear Danish talk about ERC four hundred four. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. I will say that it is incredibly interesting to hear so many people talk so much about probably one of the most boring interviews I have ever watched. I watched it from beginning to end. It was incredibly boring. He didn't give any insights. And by the way, there is no Bitcoin utilization in Russia that is allowed. So ultimately, he does not believe in Bitcoin. But That's who's, a but Donish, who's, Number two, who's, where are they mining 11% of Bitcoin right now? Whereas 11% of Bitcoin but, being but mined beyond right that, but, but, but not under, not by his approval. It's not under his approval. He doesn't want you don't, that You don't happen. think there's Number any two, sovereign mining going on in, in Russia, Iran? I don't know anything and I would not dare say anything about Russia because he would literally kill me. So uh, anyways, number two, because he is an authoritarian leader that doesn't allow people to speak against him. Number two, I, I do want to say that BRICS is not a thing. I don't know why Bitcoin people are so excited about it. China is in free fall. The, one of the core centers of BRICS is literally dying right now, like in front of us. They're in a deflationary spiral. If you don't know what that is, maybe you shouldn't be trading Bitcoin. So the point is China is in deep, deep shit right now. If you're not watching, I'm just letting you know. So BRICS is not going to be a thing. So when he talks so intellectually, you know, uh, back in my neighborhood, they'd call Putin a smart, dumb motherfucker. Like, like he sounds really smart, but he's saying really dumb shit. And like, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> Sorry, now I can definitely never go to Russia. Nah, that's a, is, like, Amer a American centric BRICS. version of the world. Don't no, it's not. It's literally BRICS is not happening. So this concept that, hey, we're going to see American dominance go away. It's just we're not even close to that because China, they honestly, China had a shot at goal. 
They shot at the king and they missed, and now they're paying for it. That's what's happening right now. So Listen if up. China that's can't, just so that's just so wrong. I I, I mean I I don't want to be a jerk about oh, it. I'm sorry. That's just, what was China CPI totally last week? Wrong. What was China CPI last week? When was the last time oh, you were in China? Fine. Tell me the CPI. When was the last time you were in China? It does not matter. What was China's when CPI? When was the last CPI time right you were now? in China? This is the dumbest conversation. I'm telling you about deflation occurring. Don, when was the last time you were in China? In this is. First of all, I won't talk about my personal business. That's number one. Number two, uh, I, I was, I was, how about this? I was in China in the last five years, like right before COVID. But that's as far as I can go. Donesh, in, in, the two, real, in the real it does world, not matter. in the Hold real on. world, there's this thing called deflation. And it's actually what free markets do. Um, you don't, you don't. So hold on. Deflation is a good thing right now. I'm sorry. China is going through a good thing right now. That's why the Chinese government is freaking out about deflation occurring. They, They've had they 16 are... straight months of deflation. But in, in the real world, there's this, thing, there's, this thing that happens, right? ever had. there's this thing that happens in markets where stock markets go down, real estate prices go down, and you allow your economy to take out all the shit government intervention that's been done. And if, if China allows um, the market to do that, which I doubt it probably will, but if it does, it's actually following free markets better than America right now. No, that leads to bank runs. And it leads to a spiral. Like, what are you? T- okay. Long story short, what all I was gonna say is that there's some like mental masturbation going on about bricks, which is fine. You guys can continue to do that because that's what crypto people do. But the reality is that deflation is real in China right now. They've had 16 straight months of deflation. The, to this month was the sharpest drop in CPI since 2009. If you guys remember what happened then, uh, and. China is in deep trouble. They've made some really big strategic mistakes, which They're makes not in which deep essentially trouble. renders how many bricks. straight months of deflation, disinflation. It's not really deflation; it's disinflation. Has Japan had no, it's actually since nineteen eighty nine? Since nineteen eighty nine, how many times has CPI been negative in China in Japan since nineteen eighty nine? But Japan is not a world leader right now. Japan is actually in trouble. Plus, China Japan has is not in trouble. Have, again, like have you been to Tokyo? Have you seen real estate prices in Tokyo? Oh, Have you gone to restaurants in like, Tokyo? Have you seen... You're kind of acting like what I said about Putin earlier. I, I, all I'm saying is... Oh, my God. The reality okay. is that the data is showing very clearly that China is in deep trouble. I am surprised to that hear that That is an American-centric... The American data. You haven't read anything right. from China. You've read Western It was actually media. released by China, just so you know. That data is literally from China. China just released... It. If China is releasing that their CPI is negative 16 months in a row... Then you're telling me that it's not okay. All right, uh, the, this is why it's a little bit hard. The long, long and short of it is that look, the ETF narrative did not play out. We have not seen that. Uh, we didn't see it sh- shoot up immediately. Like, like by the way, I was probably the only person that came up here and said ETF is not going to lead to a crazy amount of inflows. Maybe me and Dave. Are you absolutely joking? Crazy inflow. Are you absolutely joking? Has it led how much? Oh, Ten yeah. billion dollars uh, in this two is the weeks. Thing. $10 billion in two weeks? It was, Are you joking? It was, it was moving money around from GBTC. This is, that is again, net. We can have this $10 billion is net. I'm done. I think you guys are being a little... Long story short. I think you guys are being a little pedantic here. Uh, like what was interesting about the, the, the interview to me were two things. One, what he said about the dollar is important, especially if you're interested in Bitcoin. You know whether or not you guys are talking about short-term stuff. The point is that there was no reason to ever create serious inroads or, or you know serious um, financial tools to get around the dollar before the weaponization of it. And you had everyone using it, and they had no choice. 
And to some extent, that's changed and that's relevant, I think. I think the, the, the point of the interview for him was to basically have every American walking away thinking, you know, I want to go to sleep, not to war. Um, and I think he did a pretty good job of doing that, saying, like, look, this is a very boring story that you don't understand. Um, you know, now you go, you want to go to war, right? And it's like, well, I don't have anything to say. I, I don't even begin to understand this. Um, and I think that was his goal. Simon. Yeah, I'd say the main the main purpose of the interview, if if anyone could take something from it, is how even look, I'm no big fan of Putin, but how narrative and propaganda driven the world is, including all Americans, all Brits, and all of the Western world. The fact that if people were watching that interview and didn't understand that there is an alternative reality that's propagated by media in order to get the people to believe in the propaganda of their government. Um, and if, if Americans and Brits watched it and realized that actually there are two sides to every story and um, propaganda is half of what's determining everything that Dinesh came up and said. Um, so, you know, to me, that's, that's what people should take away with it, that governments, they simply push out agendas and half of what you believe in is because your government wants you to believe that for very deliberate reasons. And there's normally parallel universes where we can jump on Twitter spaces and speak to someone that's actually been to China, actually been to Russia, actually been to Japan, and, and understand that actually everyone's playing the same game and there's no concept of good guys and bad guys. That's what I took away from it. I mean, is the real estate industry in China completely fine when they're putting up for, for, for sale signs today? Did you guys read no, that? No, to me, to is, me, a good, uh, to me, to me, a good real no, estate, no, it, to me, a good real estate market is not using it as a financial product. It's using it for what it's actually meant to be, which is living it rather than taking savings out of the economy and forcing everyone to speculate on real estate, creating wealth inequality that drives a rich poor part. divide, which is what we're experiencing I, in I, real I'm, time. I'm cool right with now. the narratives, but you know, you're also speaking crazy propaganda. I'll walk you through really quickly, and then I, I'll, I, I gotta jump in. No, but, no, but Dinesh, what, what I'm saying so is a bad but, real estate but, but, market. But a bad real estate market that takes down their municipal government. Most municipal Google this. It houses. might be helpful. Or oh, hear me out. Uh, municipal governments all over China are at risk right now of defaulting. Because, and the government will, is likely going to step in in the next few weeks because most of them own portions of the real estate market that was put up on crazy leverage. Like you're literally speaking the opposite of what everything you I've heard you speak in your in, yeah, in our time. So when when that happens, you have to delever. You have to delever. You don't roll over and create another. It policy. will take down municipal governments. Jesus, it, the government is actually intervening. That's the point that I'm saying. Exactly. So if they do, if the they do, then you follow you the U.S. And they're, you they're, mean different than QE? You mean different than the Fed intervening in the United exactly States and the U.S. real estate market collapsing? Exactly Have I'm you saying. looked at any of the China, recent real estate transactions in the United States down 80 percent? China is doing You're exactly just, the same. I, I, I That's can't the believe point I'm making. How, it, as Simon said very eloquently, if if all you do is read the, the U.S. media and you believe the propaganda that they put out, no different than the propaganda the Chinese put out, the propaganda the Russians put out. Everyone has their own propaganda. But Simon's point is so eloquently stated. Everyone's playing the same game. And if you want to just stay in your side of the story and not believe there are two sides of the story, you're going to sound, well, whatever.
And that is the case for Bitcoin, because there's only one currency that allows you to um, exit whatever the government's agenda is with what they're going to do with their currencies. And that's the role that gold has It's just really played. hilarious to hear you all say that, Simon and, 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 and Mark, when literally all you do is speak one side of the Bitcoin story, when anybody else comes in and says the other side, suddenly your religion hurts. And it's it, this is like the, the challenge with crypto in general. The day you actually look at it from an objective perspective, uh, I think it will actually be better for the community in in general, and will bring more people in. What's instead decided, of this what's, cult of religion? What's that's the all, side that's of the story you would like to? Yeah, all, what all side of the story would you like to prefer? Okay, proffer. What what side of the story do you think is being ignored? We've gone from zero, literally a science project, fifteen years ago, to nearly a trillion dollar asset with higher highs and higher lows every single year. What what's what part of that story do you want to talk about? Jesus, uh, we must be back in the bubble cycle again, uh, since people are starting to say uh, 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 zoom out again. I'm now we like we said this throughout out. every it's, bear market. We were here, you, it, 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 but it's well, not even a bear market to no, begin what with. I'm saying, the, the, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, we part of the story is that it is a financial asset. It should be treated as such. Institutions are going to come in. And this is the first time that I've seen DGENs who used to be DGENs be so happy that the suits are coming. It is fucking hilarious. But suits are coming. We're all there. TradFi is coming in. And you know what? It essentially will start acting like the rest of TradFi. So your beloved asset will start acting just like all the others. It's, it's just a financial instrument. It's not a religion. And, and has gold, and with that, has gold done go. that See for 5,000 years? Has gold acted like a financial like, instrument? Yeah, yes, but has absolutely. it, has it, it been consistent? A instrument every single has day, it been Simon. consistent when you price your stocks? Has it been consistent throughout 5,000 years? The answer is no, it hasn't. Well, it's stored, it's stored its value, it's held its value for 5,000 years, and it's held no, its no, story. No, 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 I, well, that's actually like not a, that's an incorrect statement. It's not always stored its value. It's had, it's had, it, it, it represents a yeah, head. Well, so is Bitcoin. That's all it is. <laughs> and so is Bitcoin. Yeah, but until... But, but Bitcoin actually is better than that. That's the thing. This is the narrative that doesn't get set. And that's what Scott and I talked about once. And it actually completely changed my view on Bitcoin, which made me actually think about Bitcoin as an important financial asset, which was it's actually not correlated. Don't make it gold. Gold is stupid. It's better than gold. 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 That's the issue. It, it is better than gold. You're doing the pitch. Simon, but that's what I'm saying. The, gold I'm, is no, not stupid. No, I'm not stupid. doing the pitch. What, what, actually, what? This is the funny it's, thing. Gold is it's better the than base gold. layer of money. Gold is the base layer of money. Okay. Gold is the only money in the world. It's the only, okay. it's the only money currency is an asset that exists in the absence of liability. <laughs> Gold is that. Bitcoin is better. It's more portable and it's more divisible. So yes, now that it has the same scarcity as gold, and now that it will ultimately be a replacement for gold, but gold will still have a role as a physical store of value, and Bitcoin will be the digital store of value and the base layer of digital economies in the future. But that's a process that's going to go over time. Gold is not stupid. Gold is the fundamental foundation of all of finance and all of economic growth in the history of mankind. It's just a stupid argument. It's also underperformed the S&P 500 by like 3,000% over the last it's meant to. years. Or it's not an investment. It's a safety exactly. vehicle. Gold is, is meant to preserve Which your wealth. Fine. Investments are meant to increase your wealth. 
And and so yeah, if, if you're if you're looking at it as a speculative yeah. asset, then however Bitcoin Bitcoin and so if Bitcoin's supposed to act like that, then why is Bitcoin? Because no, Bitcoin no, is again, Bitcoin is are these are circular these are circular arguments, it's guys. Exponential guys, goal. the real the real and that's the point that I was actually trying to make earlier, which is actually the pitch that would work for people that are not just obsessed with the god of Bitcoin, that they really focus on what is this valuable for? How does this fit into a portfolio? It's an uncorrelated asset that sometimes acts like growth and tech and sometimes acts like gold. That is what makes it incredibly interesting for anybody to add it to their portfolio. That is the point that I was making, but it's okay. All right. Uh, with that, we'll see you guys later. Dave, Jason. Bye, Dash. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, so I appreciate I, I you. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be rude, um, but I just want to comment yeah. real quick about the 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 thing with like uh, Russia banning on Bitcoin. Like, like honestly, like any country that's banning on Bitcoin doesn't stop people from buying Bitcoin. Like that's the number one thing out there first, right? Um, you know, anyone. Um, you know, my background is you know I used to work at Fabushi since 2015. Um, I've known Sam. I think I've, I've, I've seen Sam a couple of times when. And we did DefCon 2 together and in, in back in Shanghai back in the days. But um, the idea is that I've been living in Shanghai for like the, the last eight years. And um, there's a lot of things I think people, especially what he said, um, Dr. Danish, I think a lot of things that he said is coming from a very like one-sided view of, of like what's happening, right? Um, the, the, the whole point here is he's forgetting something, which is like during the third term where Xi Jinping, uh, you know, got reelected for the third time none of them in the committee, like no one got, got replaced in the committee comes from an economic background. Uh, no one has a background in economics. Um, so for most people who are actually in, uh, been studying about kind of like what the predictions are, is that um, they have kind of accounted that the economy will not do well. Um, or like this is not, this is within the scope of expectation that uh, a, a boosting economy or a boosting GDP will no longer be a priority under these um, the, the the strategies. Um, it's very very clear. I I don't understand why is it hard for most people to understand. Just look at the leadership. Like look at the background of leadership. It's no longer about boosting economy. So um, yes, uh, the Chinese economy has got, gone down uh, significantly. Those who have lifted, I live I, I lived through it. Um, I was in the lockdown. I went back after the lockdown. It's very obvious that a lot of people have left. Uh, real estate have gone down, but is it a bad sign? I don't know because uh, China does not run exactly the same way as the U.S. Does not run exactly the same way as Europe uh, or any place in the world. Um, they have their own mandate and they have their own strategy that I think a lot of times people underestimate. Right? Again, there's no one strategy that works, but I can give you an example. Um, the Americans, for example, came up with this idea of GDP. Um, but a big part of why the GDP is so successful for American economy is because they leverage two things. They have a credit system that is very mature and they have a debt system that's very mature. Look at the Chinese market, for example. The debt and credit system is, is basically fucked up. Right? It's, it's, it's been the only thing that they've been trying to do is try to catch up the last 20 years. And the last thing that actually happened was a bunch of scammers coming out with P2P concepts and a bunch of people lost money. So how do you compare a system where uh, you have like basically it's uh, three components that's boosting up the economy versus China, which is basically just one uh, element that's boosting economy, which is the spending, right? There's the, the borrowing, the, the lending, all that stuff is kind of shady as fuck. Um, there's just no culture within, embedded within the Chinese system that gets people excited uh, and that get people bullish about lending because the culture there in China, anyone who knows about Asian culture understands that Asians love to save. They don't have to spend. Right. Whereas because the economy in the U.S. is highly, highly, highly mature compared to the Chinese economy, 
people are more comfortable about the credit system. People are more willing to spend, right? So these are like two different things. I think a lot of people don't really like consider. Uh, but the whole point here is, this, I, I think this argument, like whether that's going down or not, and that affects Bitcoin, I think that's quite irrelevant, right? I think there's no point arguing about about this. I think the point here is that Bitcoin beyond uh, what's happening right now. There's actually two things that we're looking, um, you know, from a venture perspective, because you know we're a VC fund that invests in Web three. Um, there, there's a utility. I mean, it's, it's funny that no one kind of like mentioned this. Like, does does anyone not know the history of Web three? Like, the only reason why prices go up, like one, is because speculation utility, like the speculative utility around tokens, and, and there's just an actual technology utility around it. Like all the things that you guys have been talking about, about is all about trading. It's about speculation, but realistically, like Bitcoin itself has a very fundamental difference between. Bitcoin today versus Bitcoin last year, uh, two years ago, which is the yeah, utility I, I, aspect. I, just wanted, I want to make one comment here, and I, I don't want to jump in front of you, Dave, but I'll, I'll do it and then I'll give it back to you. Your, your point that the, the Chinese or Asians uh, don't like to spend, they don't like to save, and that Americans are different is, is such a, a youthful perspective. And all you have to do is study a little tiny bit of history or talk to somebody you know over 40 years old. A whole generation of Americans from the 1920s through the 1980s did not believe in spending at all. Zero. They were Depression-era babies. All they did is save. There was no debt. We delevered this entire country for 60 years. And then in 1971, the world changed. And we went on a path towards destruction, which we're on right now. And that's why we all spend because we're being stolen from by untethering our currency from gold and it allows fiat the fiat fiasco that i call it to occur that again it's not always been like that it's only been like that for the last 50 years but most people who talk about this stuff haven't been alive that long so i don't mean to pick on anyone in particular but it's just not true that Asians are savers and Americans are no, spenders. No, I, I agree. I agree. There's, there's obviously a trend where there is a, a learning curve for everything, right? Sorry. So I, I'm making the assumption that there's no learning curve. So you're absolutely right. There's no learning curve for everything in every culture. But I'm saying that in, I guess the assumption here is because it's more, we're talking about, I guess, you know, Bitcoin, then we're talking more about, especially the economy going down. The assumption here is really that we're talking about the last 20 years or last 10 years, right? Um, especially if people mentioned like real estate. Um, the previous speakers mentioned mostly like real estate, right? So it's like there, there is that there is still a very weak credit system in China, and so people prefer to say it because they just don't believe in that credit system. That's dope.